It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. Hello, Koshi here. Before we get into this episode of The Call, I've got a favor to ask. The bigger the Ausbiz audience, the more we can invest in great content and keep providing quality investment ideas to you for free. If you could just take a minute of your time to leave a review of the call in the Apple podcast app, it'll help keep our tribe growing. And of course, don't forget to catch up with all the best interviews each day at ausbiz.com.au. Thanks for listening. Enjoy the call. Hello, welcome back to Ausbiz. It's just gone midday Eastern. Great to have you company for the next 60 minutes on the call. Uh, we take a look at 10 stocks that you suggested we have a look at. I put them to an expert panel and uh, for their adjudication, we do a stock of the day as well. Uh, our experts today on a Monday, always love having these guys. Uh, uh, Gaurav Sodi from uh, Intelligent Investor. Gaurav, good to see you. And uh, Mathan Solansandaran from Deep Data Analytics. Um, look at the two bikes behind you there. Um, <laughs> gee, you're showing off both of you, aren't you? Um, Koshi, mine's actually a fake bike. It doesn't work. It's, uh, it, it's, it's designed to, to trick you, and I'm glad it did the trick. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and Mason, is that a fake bike behind you, or do you actually get on it? I like to around too. Oh, it happened before the pandemic, way before, um, just to do exercise, with, uh, mainly with the family, when you don't want to go anywhere, and you can put an iPad on and do your work. Right, yep. Gorad is a machine, is it? <laughs> if you believe it, look at it. Treadmill and, and a bike. All right. Um, we always run out of time with you two because you give us so much great information. So let's get stuck into it. We've had an avalanche of company reports drop today. So for our stock of the day segment, I thought we'd do a quick fire, quick fire. Um, look at uh, so three of the heavy hitters out today. Uh, car sales, JB Hi-Fi and Blue Scope this morning. Uh, so let's check in on the numbers. Uh, car sales trimming its final dividend to 22.5 cents a share, despite double-digit bump in full-year profits. Stronger revenue driven by its overseas assets has been tempered by a modest growth here at home. Um, uh, Maitham, what did you think, um, before we get on to JB Hi-Fi, uh, Maitham, what did you think of, uh, of car sales? Look, they're uh, probably one of our better techs, and they've been around a while. I, I consider them out of the three all techs, which is real estate, car sales, and taxi. And all three are very good, well made, uh, and they're doing the smart things. The macro is working for car sales. So if car sales are doing well, I don't think there's any surprises. It's price for pretty, you know, doing quite well. Um, I think it's going higher, just it's doing well, so the macro turns against you. And at this point in cycle, 
you know, you don't have to be a genius to realise craft. Would you be really buying well. it at, at this level? Oh, look, I, I struggle to buy tech at this point, and these guys, I think, they're priced for protection to a certain extent. Right. I don't see a huge price for it. But if you're a long-term holder and you've been there, I won't be selling that. Okay. Uh, Gorab, what did you think of the car sales result? It was predictably good. I don't think it was a surprise that it was a strong result. The conditions could not be better for car sales. And that, that was a big surprise in itself. But um, the question really is, can it do better from here? Um, is this as good as it gets? The valuation is extremely rich. Um, we don't own it any longer. We've already sold car sales. Um, and I think that remains my position for the moment. I think this is, is as good as it gets. It's a wonderful business, but um, it, it is looking very expensive. Um, okay. I don't think it did any better than we thought it would, or anyone thought it would. It was a predictably good result and um, probably uh, a bit rich in terms of price. Okay. All right. Is, is it as good as it gets with JB Hi-Fi as well? Profit skyrocketed more than 65% to over half a billion dollars, allowing the retailer to return a full-year dividend of $2.87. That's up 50% on this time last year. Online sales during COVID lockdowns drove the sales up over 90% here in Australia while the cost of doing business fell at the same time. Uh, Grab, is it the same thing with JB Hi-Fi, as good as it gets? I would have said it last year as well, and here we are with a 50% higher profit. What an astonishing result. What an astonishing business. This, this might be the result of the season for me. Half a billion dollars in net profit out of JB Hi-Fi. Who would have thought that even three or four years ago? Um, you know, I'm, I'm genuinely stunned by the outcome. It's on a very cheap multiple. Um, this is not expensive at all. But what that's telling you is that the market is not inferring these current um, sales and margins into the future. So there's a, there's a level of um, look through in, in this result. And I think that's probably the right way to look at it. Um, looking down the track two or three years, it's hard to see these kind of revenues and margins being sustained. But, you know, the business has a habit, habit of surprising and just performing really well as, as good businesses do. So I would hold this. I don't think we can buy it really um, with, with these, um, these tailwinds so strongly behind it. Yep. But um, wonderful performance and um, a, a nice hold. Yep. Nathan? Oh, look, they're the tennis warehouse of electronic sales. Um, they, you know, pump you with more stuff than you can want to buy. Uh, but look, Graf right. they've done a phenomenal job, but they've had a phenomenal back, uh, I suppose, a win behind them. Uh, you had the property market, you had the handouts, you had the people taking money out of, uh, um, I suppose, their super and spending it and work from home, all of these things have boosted numbers. That's why the market is telling you, I mean, it's a bit like miners. They always look the cheapest at the peak of their cycle, and, you know, retail is the same, specifically for stock. So, I mean, look, I think Daily Hive is a great business. I think they've done really, really well, but I think everything that can go right has gone right. And, you know, we thought, okay, we peaked last year around this time, um, and it's pretty much gone up and down. So, in context, yes, they're making more money because there's been more handouts, but the market's telling you that's not going Okay, so you'd be a hold as well? Yeah, look, if you're holding it, you know, you've got it in cheaper price, why not? I, I don't think they'll be okay. until they get wrong. Uh, Mason, what about Blue Scope Steel? Says it's expecting another year of bumper earnings after its strongest ever profit as a standalone business. 
now expecting full year earnings between 1.8 and 2 billion US. Uh, the company rewarding shareholders with a 25 cent final dividend, topped up with a 19 cent um, a share special dividend. Bluescope says it will launch a $500 million on-market buyback to offer shareholders some additional cash. Nathan, blimey, if this first week of, uh, you know, full earnings season, we have had so much increase in dividends and buybacks, shareholders are going to be awash with cash. Yeah, well, it, it is. I mean, you have to remember, when you reduce the debt to this level, and a lot of these cyclical stocks have done phenomenally well, um, they are sitting in cash and they're handing it out like confetti. So you're going to get that, and the market knows that. I don't think anyone's going to be surprised. I mean, Blue Scope, look, it's a turnaround story that half the market completely didn't want to uh, look at, and the other half of the market loved it. We had the run up, hell, we even jumped on synth metal. Even the dogs were running. That's how good the thematic was. Uh, so the steel market's been on fire. Um, even with Chinese trying to control it, it's still doing quite well. Construction cycle is getting handout after handout. So the steel sector looks really solid and Booscoff doing as well as it's ever done. So it's hard to go against it, but we did get off all the mining stocks and the commodity um, exposures uh, a month ago, a month and a half ago. So in that context, we saw there's a bit of a top coming and that's probably playing out now. You probably will see some weakness coming into the steel sector with what's happening on overall growth. But these guys are done. Yeah, Yeah, there are so many lessons out of this result, David. Um, most people think of Blue Scope as a really lousy quality business, and I guess for a lot of its history, it has been. But um, it's changed stripes quite a bit. Um, it's got a very good American business, and it's been able to take advantage of the fattest um, steel margins um, over the last fifteen years or so, and. You know, steel is a famously cyclical business. I don't think that's going to persist. And this is a good opportunity to sell the stock. But don't forget Blue Scope. This is a high quality cyclical business, much better than a lot of its um, steel producing peers. And it's one to, to keep an eye on in the downturn. This is something that you should pick up every time the headlines scream about um, how terrible the steel sector is, how it's never going to be profitable again. That'll be the yep. time to buy Blue Scope. Okay. But sell All right. Let's get into the stocks that you want us to take a look at. And Gaurav, um, we talked about JB Hi-Fi and shooting the lights out as a retailer. Tim wants a view on Maya. Now, um, you're saying it's as good as it gets with JB Hi-Fi. Is it as bad as it gets for Maya? Uh, well, actually, I think we're on, we discussed Maya together and um, I can't remember whether Nathan agreed, but we, I embarrassingly called it um, a buy and, um, uh, you know, hated myself for it for a while, owned the stock myself. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I'm stunned to say it's actually made money. I mean, it just it just goes to show that, that sometimes um, we're not necessarily looking. I mean, everyone wants to buy the best business with the best management and the best growth yep. prospects. But those characteristics don't always lead to the best investments. And I think for a part of your portfolio, you should reserve for, for gut-wrenching, um, self-hating investments that no one else wants to touch. Um, Maya was certainly in that category um, a little while ago and probably still remains in there today, in fact. Um, there is value here. You know, the, the sales are still um, it's very substantial. I think 30 or 40% of all sales were on the online business. And 
and that's hard to get. It's hard to get customers on your website and buying stuff. Um, and it's intriguing to see management now talking about trying to monetize the online portion of their of their business. And it concerns me a little bit because I do think it sounds a bit like cashing out when um, everything is going really well for the online business. Um, so that's a worry. But it is really exciting to see management think differently and do something quite unconventional to try and monetize what is a very difficultly difficult and structurally impaired business. So mm. I would be holding for now. I think I think we can comfortably hold now. And um, there's a lot going on here. So I, I love seeing management working. There's the tension between Solomon Liu and the board and um, constant speculation about his intentions for the business. There's a lot of ways that this could actually work out reasonably well from here. So I think there's enough upside mm. to hold. Um, you'd be brave to be buying at this point, I must say. I think it was easier at 30 cents than it is at 50 cents. Yep. But for the brave, I still think there's additional upside. I'm going to call it a hold for now, but but okay. for, for the brave, you could buy this as a spec buy. Okay. Mason, how brave are you? No, not that brave. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> let's, let's start with the category that uh, Gaurav was trying to mention. That's the category I consider as ugly buys. You know, when, when you're gut-wrenching, when everything's smacks you on the face, telling you, don't do this, um, you've got to look at it. And Maya was one of those. Um, the thing that, for me, where Maya is benefiting from, and I think you can't ignore that, is the lockdown that's played out on uh, international travel. I mean, the first lesson I learned back in, I mean, it was the late 90s when I was working at uh, Citigroup, I was counting that back then, um, they sent me to New York, and I went to the outlet malls in New York, Never did I ever buy any clothing or shoes in Australia after that because it's so damn cheap. Now, a lot of people do that, but you only need, you know, do that shopping when you need it. But now that you can't go overseas, a lot of people haven't got that option anymore. So a lot of those things are now falling back, and when people don't know where else to go, they go, well, I better open to Jones or Maya. So there's a lot of online benefits that's played out for Maya in the short term. And you're right, management is being forced by Solly Lou to do interesting things. I mean, most of, you know, the thing with Maya is it's been boring decline for so long because nobody was, you know, behind them putting a rocket. Um, that's what Solilu is doing. So in that context, I think Maya is doing interesting things. Um, Maya, you know, I agree with Gaurav. I wouldn't buy that 50 cents, but if you bought it at 30 cents, I'm not in a rush to sell it either. It's a whole. Because mm -hmm. management is trying to do different things. While there's a divestment in play, the market will be interested. So I think the stock holds up quite well. But look, it's, it's one of those things where I think it's benefited, again, a bit like Jamie Hunter, benefited a lot from what has happened around them. Uh, so do I think that's going to be sustainable? Probably not. So I'm not there for the long term, but I think the short term is okay. Okay. All right. Um, Nathan, Anne-Marie wants a, a view on Pexa Group. It operates the uh, uh, Australia's digital uh, property settlements platform. Um, um, for, for buyers and sellers, a lot of real estate agents use it. Um, what do you think it picks up? Oh, look, I think it's a great asset. Everyone knows that, um, and everyone's been after it. Um, so it's floated, it hasn't done much. What's that telling you is, I think it's good at what it does, uh, what it can do, but the question is, what does it do in the future? Um, you know, can it take what it's doing in the region, in the different parts of And I think that's going to be hard, with regulatory restrictions, um, and you know, people worried about their information being um, into the some uh, in a domain that they don't control. It's going to be hard. I think if they can get, prove that they can go overseas and extend their services, 
Yes, that's a massive plus. The other side of it is, what does someone else look at texture and start to look at how that can be mixed and matched? So, is that, you know, regulatory-wise, is that going to play out? So, you know, think of what happened with Square and uh, Alcatel. Um, they're basically cost-selling. So, can Texa and someone else um, do that? So, you know, that, that's where I think the growth outlook may be. So, that's where the market doesn't know where the growth is going to come from, and I think that's where the holding pattern is. Once we know there is some aspect of growth that can be played out, I think the stock will be right. So, at this point, it's a holding pattern. If you've got it on the flood, I'm, I'm happy holding it. I don't think it's a risky asset, but look, I think the growth story still needs to be confirmed. Okay. Uh, Gaurav? Yeah, I'm, I'm amazed to see this business listed, to be honest. Um, if, I'm not sure this should be a listed company. This is this is a monopoly business, um, and uh, it's wonderful to be able to buy it. I'm, I'm stunned that it's been sold off by the government. I'm stunned that the owner decided to sell it. I think it, it speaks volumes of, of link management that they sold the best business in their portfolio and they're plowing the proceeds back into a business that is clearly disrupted and declining. But um, but that's link. Um, Pexa, I, I just think it's 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 a monopoly. It's, it's a wonderful asset. But um, I think the risk you're running, everyone knows it's a wonderful asset. It's priced as a wonderful asset. Um, it already has 80% of all transaction volumes, and the risk you're running is that new competition, which has not been ruled out by the regulator, by the way, um, comes in, and this becomes a far more competitive space. It makes sense to digitize all of this. It makes sense to a degree to have one person doing all this, but no one is happy in the industry that, that one big player is collecting super normal profits um, from from what is a very simple and you know questionable value-adding activity. Um, so I, th I think the the idea of comp new competition is actually very strong and can't be ruled out. I don't think the market has placed a high enough probability on that happening. So I would need a much cheaper share price to get interested in this. I don't count international expansion here as all that valuable because the same reason why a competitor just can't come in and start opening up in Australia. You know, it's the same is is the same reason that PEX is going to have a difficulty going overseas and opening up. Those markets are have existing methods of settlement, and it's going to be hard to disrupt those. So, okay. this is I'm actually probably going to sell for PEX at the moment. I I think the um, the risks outweigh the reward at this stage, but it's certainly a business to keep on your watch list. One of the the great assets um, mm. listed, and uh, to the shame of governments, it should not be listed. I don't think. Yep. Yeah, yeah, interesting comment. All right, uh, Jason Gorab wants a view on Infratil. The uh, um, what have we described it before as sort of a, a private equity infrastructure business? Is that? Yes, I think that's right. The li the listed private equity firm. Um, yep. Infratil. Um, well, it's it's well known now. Met and I have been banging on about it for for you quite both. some time. Yeah, have um, the. It's a. It, it's actually got um, a wonderful track record, which is what it's, it's something sometimes doesn't get recognised enough. A lot of the times, a business like this gets valued on the sum of its parts. Investors are happy to dissect all the assets and tot them up together and give you a valuation and present the business as a sum of the parts. I think there's more going on here than just that. What you what it is? It's a. It's it's a. It's a bunch of individuals that have demonstrated superb capital allocation skills. Um, and superb business management skills for a long period of time. They've compounded 
returns um, for more than a decade. Um, and they've done that over difficult market conditions, over a variety of, um, of asset classes. And I think um, it demonstrates that we can confidently back um, the management here. Um, so although it doesn't look cheap on, on any obvious metrics, um, I think there's a couple of really interesting growth assets involved here. Mm. My favorite is um, CDC, which is the old Canberra data center business, which yeah. Infratel bought for 800 million or so, and I think is worth billions of dollars now. They have um, invested a lot of money and CDC is a quasi-monopoly on government services now. Um, every government department is basically in there. They're generating an ever larger pool of revenues from non-government um, clients who have to be in their data centers to be able to connect to government um, clients. So it's creating a sort of an ecosystem of its own that's quite yeah. difficult to disrupt. And, and even though you've got competitors like um, like Macquarie and Telecom trying to break into the government market, CDC has the overwhelming bulk of the volumes in that market, and it's just very difficult to dislodge. So I think that business alone is probably worth, um, you know, sort of six bucks a share, uh, five, six dollars a share um, over time uh, to the valuation. I think it's quite easy to see ten dollars a share on Infratel. And, and of course, this is a business that buys and sells assets very successfully. So... I'd, I'd be happy um, owning this for a long period of time. We own it in our funds. I own it personally, David, um, and it's a it's a buy for me. Okay, Nathan. Oh, look, you know, we talked about this. This is a, one of the better listed private equities. You've got West Farmers, you've got Goodman Group, you've got Macquarie, um, and Infrastructure. Um, and the best thing is out of the four is the New Zealand one, Chip Chip. And you know, what what can go wrong? Uh, so look, they, they've got a track record. You want that, um, and you know, it's one of those things that the market also starting to know that about these private listed equities. Um, so in that context, these guys are not cheap. They're pricing a fair bit. Um, you know, we recently got out of uh, all of them, um, more or less, in over the last two, three months. Um, so in that context, we're not buying it at these prices. I think there's a fair amount of price in. But um, it, it's basically it's at the top of your list, these four stocks, when the market has a pullback. You buy these guys because you know and when the market turns around, it doesn't matter what the macro cycle is, these guys will evolve to the cycle. So you back that. Okay. So you're saying good business, but you wouldn't be buying at these levels. Wait for a pullback. Okay. All right. Ryan Nathan wants a view on AGL Energy. Uh, Ryan says, I'm curious to know if the, if the stock keeps dropping, at what point does it become a screaming value play? So, see, he's been, Ryan, Ryan has been following you on IAG, where you were saying it's so ugly it was starting to look beautiful. Uh, is, <laughs> a, is AGL in that category? No. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I have to admit, uh, since probably about a year ago, there was a time when I looked at it and said, look, this is actually coming around. We were positive, and then it started to turn and then they went into downgrade after downgrade. And, you know, we, we talk about this all the time. When a stock goes into a downgrade cycle, don't try and pick the bottom. Um, you know, you, you just end up with more and more pain. And this one is just downgrade after downgrade after downgrade. It's basically even talked about, I mean, every other stock that has talked about a divestment strategy went up in price. This was one of the few that actually went down in price. That just tells you something. 
One asset they're looking to divest probably has a negative NPA. That's the risk in it. The other one is still has no clarity on where the growth is going to play out because the government has no real policy in this sector. So the uncertainty will continue. It's just too hard. I, I just think just this is one of those ones where I've realised looking at it again and again, it's just too hard to stay out of it. Yep. Uh, Gorab, they are horrible looking charts, aren't they? Yes, they are. Yes, they are. But I would say forget about the charts. I mean, I, charts are just, um, you know, co prices that have been collected. They, they don't they tell you anything about the business, right? Just, just if you fo even if you focus on the business, um, the business model itself, the vertically integrated energy business model is thoroughly disrupted. It's been disrupted for a number of years and it's taken a number of years for management to recognize they've been disrupted and to start acting upon it. Um, now, at least they've acted. I think Origin has been very slow to act. Origin has a lot more options on what they can do, though. So I think there's probably more value there. AGL is in a very difficult position. Uh, and management has arguably been a bit slow, but I don't think they've been awful. I mean, they've tried a few different things. It's just it's very difficult to manage once your model has been made irrelevant. And and what's happened here is that the, um, you know, AGL has made a lot of money over decades from integrating um, uh, generators um, with, with retail um, energy sales. And the generation side has traditionally made a lot of money, especially taking advantage of the volatility in energy markets. So that, you know, something like 25% uh, of all generation profits have historically come from 0.06% of the operating time. Mm. Um, and, and as soon as you got solar power on top of roofs and large scale um, renewables, they just flattened the energy curve, took away um, the, that really heightened um, volatility, that, volatility that accounted for most of the generator's profits. And, and in the absence of, of all that, um, of all those high prices, the, the energy assets have now become worth a lot less, if, if not worthless. Um, I think um, AGL's energy generation uh, suite is probably worth zero, maybe negative, um, and they're going to have a very difficult time of disposing of those assets. Um, their, their current suggestion of kind of hiving them off, it's the only thing I can think of as well, but who's going to buy it? It's, it's, it's a real mess. Yeah. And even once they've done that, what you're left with is a business that simply retails a commodity good, power. And everyone's getting into that game. You know, um, Telstra is getting into it. Um, Australia Post is getting into it. Like, it, it, there's so much competition. Um, Australia has the highest um, churn rates in the world. So customer acquisition costs are extremely high. It's a terrible business. Um, yeah. And we really need to think about this idea that simply because a, a, a share price has fallen, simply because a chart looks bad, it needs to look good, good again. You know, mean reversion happens in a lot of places. It doesn't always happen in the share market. We shouldn't expect it to. This is a business under serious distress, and um, I don't think there's a price I would go near it. You just don't need to do it. Yep. Um, you know, put away that thought process and just avoid. Okay, great, uh, uh, great comments there. All right, uh, James Gorab wants a view on Nitro Software. They're uh, um, <clears throat> basically helping uh, businesses go from paper processes to online, aren't they? They produce productivity software. Yeah, this is a very surprising little business. So um, when we first came across this, this actually competes with 
Adobe, which is a, a brilliant um, American business, uh, super successful. There's a whole host of competitors in this space. And yet somehow this little Australian business has managed to sell its software into something like 60 out of the top 100 firms in America. Um, now, they don't make a huge amount of money. They compete a lot on price. But the fact that they've uh, managed to beat so many big, powerful competitors into selling products um, is really impressive. I really rate management of this company. And they've got a long-term vision as well, which I think is, is probably not well understood by the market. Um, so they want to transition from being just a provider of a, a SaaS software into a, a platform provider. So they're trying to attach a lot of other um, services and products onto their existing um, suite. And by doing that, they can then lift the ARPU, um, sorry, the, the revenue generated by each user um, and lift margins um, and take advantage of the fact that it's very hard to gather customers uh, in this business. So the long-term strategy is there. They've got a good track record, record of um, execution. The product I've I've never tried myself, but it, it has runs on the board, so it's it's quite impressive that way. It's probably a good one to back, to be honest. Um, we haven't bought it. I don't own it. Um, it's not a buy for us. Um, I'm pretty happy just to sit back and watch this one for now. Um, yeah. There's a lot of SaaS businesses, and I actually don't think SaaS is as good as many people think it is. It's, it's switching out of one SaaS business into another. Um, it, it benefits you know, AWS and Azure but it doesn't always benefit the business. Uh, you know, SaaS is, is very problematic. It's not as good, I think, as, as everyone thinks it is. So you want to be careful about what you pay for these easily churnable, switchable SaaS products. Um, I will be watching this for now. Keep it on your watch list. It's a wonderful story, wonderful management, um, executing a, a really good idea. And if, if there is a hiccup, um, that's probably the time to get interested. It's not a, a business I'd want to pay a full valuation for. Okay, Nathan? Yeah, I think Brad took the nail on the head in, in saying the business has actually got to that point where we're going from a typical SaaS, you know, concept to a platform tech. Uh, and uh, we talked about the whole concept of a platform tech. Uh, you know, you want a back platform tech. You know, you, everyone from Algorand down to Ordinate, um, you look at those things, why you like those stuff? Because they're platform tech. So get the customer, they on sale other things, they become the standard process, you know, process of how they do their business. And then build on it. So I think that's that's where for these guys the upside is. Uh, yeah, look, I, I struggle to jump on it now. If you've been on it, I wouldn't be getting out. It's one where if you have to pull back, you want to be looking at it and adding to it. Now the trick is, can they make that transition into a platform type tech? If they do that, I think then you're on, on a run for a multi-year value. But um, you know, this thing will can keep growing if they can get into that platform type approach. If not, I think the growth will be curved to a certain extent. Remember, we are paying two multiples or high multiples for world tech stock. So, you know, there's no surprise that these things are all trading at high multiples. But this is an interesting one. That's worth it. The main point here is can they make that transition to a platform tech? Because if they do that, then you're in for a story that will run for a number of years. Okay. All right. Uh, let's just recap the uh, the first five, five stocks, and we had three stocks of the day uh, all reporting today uh, car sales and jb hi-fi as good as it gets for those um for those two stocks on on stellar performances uh, announced this morning uh, the guys saying hey if you're in it hold it but hey it's hard to justify these big multiples at the moment uh, blue scope steel um basically again 
as good as it gets. Um, Gorab saying he'd be happy to sell at these levels. Uh, Nathan's certainly not getting in to buy. You buy stocks like Blue Scope when everyone's down on steel. Uh, steel. It's one of those cyclical stocks. You don't buy at the top where it is now. You actually invest at the bottom of the cycle. Uh, Meyer a hold from both. Pexa a no, even a sell from, uh, from Gorab on Pexa. Uh, Infratil, a yes from, uh, from Gorab, um, uh, not quite yet uh, to buy for, uh, for Mathan. AGL, a no, fundamentally terrible business model at the moment. Uh, and Nitro, uh, put it on your watch list. Um, here at the call, we've been um, tracking our own fantasy portfolio since the 1st of July last year, thanks to our partner NabTrade. Any stocks that get two thumbs up from our expert panel goes into the portfolio. Let's see how it's been performing. Uh, for the week, up a quarter of a percent, up one and a half percent for the month. And since the 1st of July, this financial year, up three and three quarter percent. So if you want to take a look at all the stocks in the calls portfolio, head to osbiz.co forward slash portfolio. Just a quick programming note for you as well. Um, more now than ever, it's time to put your focus on your super. Uh, from tips, tricks and actionable insights, join our panel of experts as they go beyond the fees and the funds and explain what your super um, and your future means for you. Join us live and free for our special event, Super Returns, brought to you by Virgin Money for a chat with our experts, plus join the conversation with a live Q&A you can register osbiz.co slash super returns. Kicks off uh, this Friday, uh, August 20 at midday Eastern. So uh, get involved in that. All right, let's uh, get into our uh, second five stocks, second half of the call. And uh, Gaurav, Andrew wants a view on electro optic system. Has the stock turned a corner on its cash receipts? It's in the... Uh, Aerospace and defence markets, they develop and manufacture telescopes, dome enclosure, laser tracking systems and the like. I am surprised by how often this business comes up, Koshi. Um, it's probably the fourth time we've spoken about this and it seems to be a lot of fundies are in this. Um, uh, just in my personal life, so many individual investors ask me about this one as well and I, I don't understand what the attraction is. This is you know, a, a nicely managed business. I think the guys who, who are running it have done a, a nice job for um, a long period of time. But over a long period of time, it hasn't hasn't done very much. It's, it's it's in a terrible space. It's not a high quality business. It's not a galactic growth um, pro, uh, outlook around for it. So I, I'm not sure what the what the uh, obsession with this stock is. But um, I, I would sell it. It has terrible cash conversion. Always has. Always will. It's just the way the the business operates. It's very aggressive with its revenue recognition, and um, and that's just. I mean, if you're looking at a business like like this that relies on contracts with multi-year contracts with very large, powerful customers that are worth a lot of money, um, just know that a business like this has a lot of discretion about when to recognize that revenue, and it's not always coinciding when the cash flow drops in. So these guys have actually been recognized a lot more revenue over the years than cash going on to the into the bank account and that's why it's perhaps always look cheap on multiples but always look terrible on on yep. cash flow and and cash of course you know I, I don't like cliches but 
but cash is what it's all about. Um, and the cash just not has not been going. That's part of the business model. I don't think that's going to change. Um, it's a it's a very uh, lumpy business as well, where contracts come and they go. Um, you're dealing with um, high um, uh, high ca highly capable competitors, um, and and margins can move all around the mm. place. It, it's not a great business. I, I see no reason to own this. So. Is, it, is it because defence and aerospace? sort of is sexy at the moment yeah you got the china tension um uh, western countries lifting their defense spending and everyone goes oh is there a little australian company i could be could be backing yeah look that, that that's probably the single worst way you can make an investment decision is by looking at um looking at the demand side of the equation and forgetting about supply you know Yep. Um, trying trying to predict the future and trying to guess what the next trend is is going to be is 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 a, is a bad way to make decisions. Um, you know, it's a great way to make mistakes. I, if if that's what's happening, I think that's an error. Yeah. Um, the the fact is that there are so many competitors. If there's a lot of money being spent on it's a lot, if there's a lot of demand for defense products, there's going to be a lot of supply of defense products and. The demand for defence, unfortunately, tells you nothing about the margins or the prospects of, mm. of the business. There's a yeah. lot of businesses in the space. It's very easy to get into the space. And there's a, a handful of very powerful competitors who are hard to dislodge. So, um, look, there, there is one part of this company um, that has always been spoken about. And that's a and um, they've got have an idea about putting um, satellites into space and creating sort of an, an Internet style um, um, internet style network in space so you can um but i think that's got a long way to go um the revenue from that the revenue model itself forget about the net revenue quantum that's not clear uh, that's certainly not a reason to mm. buy the stock but yeah. i suppose you're right this is a this is a great story it's a sexy business um and uh, I, I think i'd rather much rather buy boring uh quiet old businesses <laughs> money makers Nathan. Yeah, you've got to start with the term laser cannons. Uh, that's, that's what it is. <laughs> uh, you get a just building rockets and popping up to the stratosphere. Suddenly, everything with the laser cannon just added to the you know golden finger stuff. Uh, so, in the context of everyone chasing the fanatic, this has been one, and I have to agree. There's so many people talk about it for years and years, and I know a number of tech stocks like this that hang around and they hang around and they hang around for years and years. And nothing ever comes out. Look, one of the one of these one days, one of these stocks will actually deliver something, and then we'll look at it. But at this point, we're just paying for someone else to, you know, play in a fancy high-tech tool, and it's costing a lot of money, and someone has to pay for it. So this is the way you got to wait for things to actually prove a model or some kind of, uh, I suppose, a revenue model that we can see and touch. Um, yeah. Look, I think this is too far away. Um, you know, if you want to play the defense um, strategy, what's happening, and obviously what's happening with um, Middle East, what's happening with China, plays into it. I have a look at uh, Austin. Um, you know, that turned around. You know, it's had a bit of a bounce, and I think they want a few contracts. They're a much more proven model. They, you can see how they play out. It's not the greatest model under the sun, but they're very good managers, and they should be a bit better in this macro environment. I think EOS looks sexy sounds sexy, and when you've got a couple of billionaires going to space, it looks like we're going to be doing that. And when you've got people creating ETF for space, um, yep. it sounds like things are going to happen quickly. Um, I just think of it like a biotech. Um, All right. And biotech, you, know that you don't want to be picking one stock. You want to pick about five or ten, 
Okay. All right. Uh, pretty clear direction there. Um, ben wants a view, Maitland, on Eris Resources. Uh, ben says it's a long-term copper play. Bought it for 16 cents in May this year. Should I buy some more? Of course, I have copper, gold, and and silver with um, a few mines up and going. Yeah. Look, I mean, this is you know, this is a you know, we had a term what a couple of months ago where everyone started talking about uh, you've got a commodity super cycle. Uh, they don't talk about that anymore. Uh, but the reality is, commodities had a, had a huge one. They've had a good 12 months where most of these commodities have done really, really well. Um, so you've got the usual cycle that um, most of the producers are priced up pretty high and people are looking for the next cycle. And then you get the stories of, you know, there's a supply shortage um, and then you're going to have responses. So then you look at the explorers and then you find the explorers and then you look for drill results. So we're in that game. And Eris looks okay. There's a few guys in it. They look, you know, they're, they're coming up with decent results. It's had a good run. I always like stocks that don't just go straight up. They're drying their way up. And this one has done that quite well. So, you know, looks positive. I'll be there. But, you know, you've got to know your risk. And you get a couple of bad drill results and stocks could come back quite hard. So in that context, look, you know, this thing has had a previous run to around the high, you know, the low to mid 20s, got to low 30s. Um, and you can happen in the next drill results. So if you have a couple of good drill results, these things move quickly. Um, now the question is, is that going to go from where it is as an explorer to a producer? That requires a lot of money, cap raising, execution, and we talked about that before. Most of the time when they go through that process, they burn cash, blow up capital, and require more cap raising. So that's probably not the time you want to be there. My suggestion would be if they have a couple of more drill results, you just jump into that, take some profit, and reduce your risk, uh, and then come back when they build the plant and actually start to produce. Right. That would be. Yep. Uh, Goran? I, I don't know this business very well, but, but Maith, you might know, I think these guys bought Krakow, which is yep. a um, an old uh, gold copper mine sort of shallow surface um, large area um, operated by Newcrest then by evolution and then sold I think it was these guys I, I might be wrong but um, yeah, no, they did and they they just yeah. they just extended the mine uh, the mine life as well well they'd want to because there's there's hardly any reserves in Krakow it's uh that's why it was sold it's it's been mined for years it's produced um it's it's, it's an unusual kind of deposit actually geologically um quite difficult to um to get to but um it's kind of like a reef structure um they do need to do a lot more work there to get the resources um up to grade because there's not a lot there there's i think there's only a couple of hundred thousand um uh, tons of, of resources there so they need to they need to spend money on that but i i quite like the strategy that the business is employing i mean a lot of junior explorers are happy just to um go back to the market raise capital um pour it into a hole in the ground and they and i th i feel as though a lot of explorers use these vehicles a lot of individuals use these vehicles as personal lottery tickets you know mm -hmm. it doesn't cost them anything they sit there collecting their salaries um, they dig as much as they can, and if it hits pay dirt, they turn into instant millionaires, or, or even better. Um, you know, it's not the mo it's not the best outcome for shareholders, but it's often the most effective get-rich device that insiders have, and and that's the way a lot of these companies are run. 
So I, I quite like the way that the management has gone about it. Things here, they've actually bought, you know, not a great asset, but they've at least got an asset that's generating some cash, and that cash that they, they're then deploying into some, um, into some exploration, um, uh, and then you know that's a much better way to go, uh, than than continuing to raise capital, continuing to ask shareholders for money. So I, I do like that. There's a lot of projects running here at the same time, and. And from memory, a couple of them are the ones that they're banking on most. Uh, are deposits known as um, iron ore um, copper oxide. It's it's IOCG. I um, and and these are think think things like um, Olympic Dam or Prominent right. Hill. Um, really deep, complex um, ore bodies that big boys need to mine. You need billions of dollars to mine these things. These are not the sort of things that a junior exploration company is okay. ever going to mine. Um, so I, I, you know, I, I quite like the strategy. If you're if you're looking for copper exposure, I, I suppose you could do worse. Um, it's not the it's not terrible, but I, I I don't see why you'd buy this over Sandfire if you're interested in copper or Oz Minerals for that matter. Both brilliant businesses, wonderfully run. Okay, all right. Tom wants to view uh, Gorab on Grain Corp. They've uh, just put out a, a bumper result. Of course, the, this is the grain storage marketing handling company used to be owned by the government then uh, then floated uh, share price has done pretty well the last couple of days uh, bumper wheat harvest and they they think the winter harvest is going to be pretty good as well yeah for, for you know for a business that owns some absolutely critical infrastructure and a, a lot of the infrastructure they own is um is used by all in the agricultural sector it's difficult to replace and hard to do without, really. Um, this is a surprisingly poor quality business, considering the asset base. Um, and and I don't know whether there's something inherent in that in that asset base that limits the profitability, or whether it's just been poorly managed over a long period of time. I know there's been a couple of takeover offers, um, and there are others who have tried to monetize the the infrastructure there, um, but it has not been a particularly profitable enterprise over a long period of time over different market cycles. Now that's not the case now. At the moment, conditions are really, really good, and the they're earning um, sort of twice what they would be earning over the long-term average, and and that might continue for a little while. The the harvest has been extremely good, um, and and the demand for their um, for their silos and for their services is really high. They've actually maxed out um, their incentive payments uh, for the first time that I can remember, and um, and so th things are going very, very well for the company. Um, I think we should we should view that as a time to sell. This is not a high quality business, and when things are going very well in a high quality business, it's it, in a in a poor quality business. It's generally a good time to sell. Um, it was interesting to note that um, uh, Grain Corp actually spun out United Malt, um, which I think is a much better quality business. And it was interesting that management of Grain Corp actually hopped on to. Um, United Malt, and and I just thought that was an interesting huh. indication about where they thought the the best quality was in that That's split. Um, and I still think United Malt is is quite cheap and and a, and a much better quality business. I'd I'd much rather invest there than invest here. Interesting. All right, Nathan. Oh look, I think the the whole farming side of things. Agri farm fanatics we talked about a number of stuff. Uh, I think that all of them are looking quite interesting. Grandcorp. Um, again, it's a, it's a cycle, right? And the cycle is working for you. You want to be taking profit because everyone gets excited. I think from memory, there's real weather issues out of Argentina, um, and the global market is quite tight, and for the grain market, it's really helping too. So 
all of these things are helping uh, on the price side and really helping the sector. But we've been a fan of elders, new farm, interjected, and we remain positive in all of them. Rank of similar in that context is doing well. But again, one, you know, it's had a really good run. And when you're back up where, where it's trading now, this is not the time to jump into an agri sector. If you buy the agri sector, then everyone hates it. And right now, I'd say probably the closest thing to that is probably new farm, and that's turning around. Um, and elders is probably a couple of bucks too. But I think, you know, when you're going to food and agri sector, you want to buy it when it's unlocked, not when everyone knows about it. All right. Uh, our next stock to take a look at is uh, Piedmont Lithium. Um, it's uh, again in the, the lithium play. They want to develop a mine in uh, North Carolina. Apparently, the locals uh, are arcing up against it, Matham. Um, what do you think of Piedmont Lithium? If you're excited about lithium now, uh, on the US flash, uh, it's a bit late. But you know, every stock with a lithium name on it has had a huge run. Um, so you're not buying anything uh, that people don't know about. Um, it's had huge runs. I mean, if you look at it a few months ago, where it is now, that's just where it's true. I think, again, when you, know, when you had commodities run this hard, and when you had uh, stocks run this hard, this is not the time to go to the guy in the sector that is yet to produce, because there's still a lot of risk associated to getting it. Again, as we said about the copper plant um, in the context, you don't want to be there when you're trying to get some uh, like production up and running, the mindset up and all of that. And lithium is not the easiest thing. Or, I mean, I mean, well, I'll probably explain that a lot better. There's a lot of risk associated with that. So you put all of that together and say, um, you don't want to be in a guy who's trying to build the operation. You want to be in a guy right now that is actually turning out and making the money from it. So we've kind of moved over the last six months into when we were looking at commodities, we were looking at quality services. Because you want to take advantage of the commodity price where it is now. For these guys, commodity price in two, three years' time uh, you know, could be anything. Uh, Goran? Look, um, gosh, yeah, I have no special insight into lithium. Um, it, it, it could work, it couldn't work, I don't know. I, I think these guys have an interesting approach, actually. Um, I, I like the fact that they're in the US. Um, I like the fact that they're not just producing spodumene, which is the um, raw rock that then needs to be processed. That, I think any business that's simply trying to make margin from spodumene is going to fail. That's not where the margin is. Lithium is largely a, a processed um, a processed commodity and, and most of the margin is actually in the processing. So unless you can unless you can process it into a hydroxide or into a chloride, then you're not really going to make much money. So it's good that these guys are pursuing the processing route and trying to get access um, and trying to develop their own processing. I think that's the way to make money and that's probably why the share price has taken off as well. Um, so if you're looking for lithium, avoid spodumene, go for um, um, a, a, a processed um, a lithium producer. I still think, and you know exactly what I'm going to say, don't you? The, the, the best you can get is, uh, is Minres. Um, yep. You know, they've got a gigantic deposit. They've got, they got two, um, they have two different deposits, um, free carried on the processing, um, a, a legitimate, incredible partner, and a wonderful management team. Um, I just don't think it gets better. Pilbara is also quite interesting. I think they're getting, um, they're doing quite well. They've executed really well. 
and um, it's probably done a bit better than I thought. And I think that looks interesting. Um, and I think um, apart from that, there's there's a lot of competition here. Um, and as Nathan correctly identifies, this is a very hot sector of the market. And uh, you know, commodities just just beware when things get very hot, things get really irrational, and um, and high prices tend to attract. Yep. A lot of lousy miners. Um, okay. so, <laughs> so be careful about the ones you invest with. I don't think this is one of them. This, they, they, these guys seem to have um, a lot of interesting stuff going on, but I can't say much about the the price or the prospects okay. from here. Um, but right. but if you want lithium, just go minres. Yep. All right. Our final stock, uh, just quickly, guys. Gaurav Manira wants to be on the on a REIT, the Charter Hall Social Infrastructure Real Estate Investment Trust. Yeah, thanks for bringing this to my attention. I'd never actually come across this before, but this is a really interesting collection of assets. Um, I quite like Charter Hall. I think Charter Hall is a terrific business that does not get the kudos it deserves. It's often in the limelight of Goodman Group, which everyone, everyone seems to love Goodman Group, and poor old Charter Hall gets left in the corner there, even though it's a terrific business. Um, but, but what they've done here is that they've um, collated a collection of um, childcare centres um, there's a few other assets in there, but about 80% of the assets are childcare centres, all on very long-term leases. Um, and the great thing about that is, you know, if you look at the childcare industry, um, we, we all pay huge amounts of money for childcare, but the person actually makes the money. It's not the operator. The operator does not make great margins. It's certainly not the insiders. The staff make awful money out of, out of childcare. It's the landowner. That's where the yep. bulk of the rent goes to, the bulk of the excess profits in this value chain goes to the landowner. And and it's great to be able to have access to a landowner uh, to collect that excess profit. So I actually think this looks really interesting. It's a relatively full price at the moment, but put on your watch list. If you're an income investor, this is perfectly fine to buy now. Go ahead and buy and you'll do fine out of this. Um, if you're a more demanding investor, this is one to watch. Good collection of assets with good managers. Um, okay. And if the price gets hit around, you can buy this as well. Okay, Nathan, just quickly on um, the Charter Hall. It's a great asset, price-free, um, it's very good. Uh, the thing uh, I would add to it is that um, we, we are getting to the point where governments will have to do more and more socialism. But Charter is one of those places where you know when it gets too expensive, the government always going to be on the there. So this is a one of those So in that context, I think Charter will be very solid. So this is a very good business, um, but as we have said, it's not you're not getting a lot of upside, but you're getting a solid yield. So if there is a pullback for the long term investor, it's good. Okay. All right, Nathan, great to see you from Deep Data Analytics. Gaurav, always great to catch up with you from Intelli Intelligent Investor. Enjoy the rest of the week. Thanks, see you guys. Yeah. All right, just a uh, recap of uh, our final five stocks: Electro Optic, a sell from uh, Gaurav. Uh, a no from Nathan. He's saying if you want to get a stock in the defence type area, Austal, the ship uh, building businesses based in Perth and now in the US is probably a better bet. Uh, Eris Resources, a no from both. If you want a good copper play, Samfire or Mineral Resources is their preference. Uh, Grain Corp, a sell from Gorab, a no from Nathan. Uh, Piedmont Lithium, again, a no from both. Uh, Pilbara or Mineral Resources, the uh, better options there. And Charter Hall Infrastructure is put on your watch list. But if you're an income investor, uh, certainly worthwhile having a look at and a buy from, uh, from Gorab. 
that's all we have time for the show today. If you'd like us to uh, look at any stocks on your behalf, put them to the panel. Put them in an email, the call at osbiz.com.au or tweet us using the at TV handle. All the stocks in the calls portfolio, osbiz.co forward slash portfolio. Yeah.